A dog is for life, not just for Christmas. And the opening of John's Gospel is also for life and not just for Christmas as well. I wonder whether, like that, there are certain passages of Scripture that are so precious to us and which we associate so strongly with particular events or times of the year in the church calendar that we almost feel unable to look at them or engage with them away from that context or at a different time of the year. Well, the Church of England's lectionary has thrown up a gospel reading for us this morning that challenges this presumption for us because our passage, of course, is the very opening of John's gospel, precisely one of those scriptures I suggest. The reading to draw to a close thousands and thousands of carol services throughout Britain, let alone the number of them taking place across the globe every Christmas. After the account of the fragile and vulnerable newborn Christ child in the manger and all the humanising details, the shepherds, the magi, we're blown away by the revelation that this tiny infant before us, says John, is none other than the creator of the universe himself. The word of God through whom all things that were made were brought into being. The monumental poetry that John sets before us, trying to encompass the enormity of this fact, is a thing, I think, of immense beauty. But it shouldn't be one that, for all its sacredness, sits as if in a museum display case, untouched for the rest of the year, until it's time for the mulled wine and the mince pies and John 1 again. So it's wonderful that the Church of England's lectionary, rather randomly, it has to be said, in the pattern of all our other gospel readings in this season, it's wonderful that uh, we have had chosen for us John chapter 1 today, and that it's also been paired with a similarly astounding and beautiful piece of scripture, a hymn, as it's often thought to be, from the start of St Paul's letter to the Colossians. Between these two readings, to be honest, it's almost tempting for a preacher simply to say, that's it, you've got all you need here. In the words of both of them, I'm going to sit back down. Because in remarkably few lines, they give such a summary of the key points of the history of the universe and the place both of Jesus himself and of humanity within that infinite sweep, that it's almost time to pack my preacherly bags and go home. We have set out for us Christ's place in the very beginning, the firstborn over all creation. Not the first thing to be created, as some incorrectly read this, but there with his heavenly Father before all was created. Created in him and by him and through him as Paul writes to the early Christians of Colossae. And John echoes in the famous lines in which Jesus is announced as the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, the darkness that is powerless to overcome it. Then we have the announcement by John the Baptist of Jesus' divinity, a 
from the broad eternal sweep down to um, uh, there was a man called John. It's an extraordinary thing. We go from the vast to the incredibly particular and personal. The announcement by John of Jesus's divinity to whom he comes to bear witness. But despite all of this, the world, that is, in the language of John's gospel, those who choose not to follow Jesus, the world neither recognise Christ for who he truly is, nor receive him in their hearts as the Messiah. And so switching back to the Colossians passage, Paul tells us just why Jesus did indeed come to the earth he created, so that humanity, previously alienated from God, is able to be reconciled with him once again through the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross in order that we can stand before our heavenly Father, holy in his sight, Paul writes, without blemish and free from accusation. We can be, in John's words, through the work of Jesus on the cross for us, children of God, alongside Jesus himself, before our heavenly Father. But in many ways, the most extraordinary thing, for me at least, and one of the most important elements of all all of these two staggering passages, is this, the start of our passage from Colossians. The Son is the image of the invisible God. In my experience, one of the questions that comes up most frequently from people who are exploring the Christian faith, whether that may be on an Alpha course or similar or simply coming along for the first time to a service like this one and hearing biblical truths that challenge the way they see the world and their place in it. One of the questions that comes up most frequently from people in that position is, but what's God like? I can't see him. I can't touch him. What's he really like? And the answer is given to us by Paul in these few amazing words. The sun is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus Christ, the man, as revealed to us in the gospel accounts. And in him you see not only the fullest expression of humanity that there has ever been, But you see, too, the very person of God, the Father, the invisible God. In the words of Charles Wesley's carol, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. It struck me as I was out walking Ella yesterday that we have all around us at this time of year a great analogy for what Paul is telling us here. As we see all the bulbs, uh, shoots bursting through the soil. If you'll forgive my slight mangling of the English language in my explanation, in the leaves and the stems and ultimately the golden yellow blooms of the daffodils growing rapidly around us, we see the absolute daffodilness of these plants. Yes, we imagine that the bulbs are there hidden under the soil through the autumn and the winter months, not quite sure where they may be or where they may pop up, but it's only when we have revealed 
to us through the foliage and the flower that we see the real and the vibrant essence of daffodil before us. Not dissimilarly. It's only when we see the person of Jesus as witnessed by those who lived alongside him and relayed and set down in the gospel accounts of his life that we see and comprehend the absolute godness of God. So what is it that we see revealed to us in the person of Jesus in this way? And what difference might that make to our walk as followers of Christ? Or indeed for those of us who may be with us this morning but wouldn't consider themselves to be a Christian, what difference might it make to you? It's worth saying that the context for this morning's reading uh, from Paul's letter to these early Christians in the city of Colossae in what uh, what is now modern-day Turkey, it's after an initial passage of thanksgiving for their young faith. Paul encourages them for the way in which they have chosen to follow Jesus Christ in an environment that was fundamentally hostile to that faith. And he prays for the continuing deepening of their faith. And then Paul turns in our passage to what he knows is the most important thing of all. If these young Christians are to grow in their faith, in wisdom, in power, in love, in thanksgiving, the centrality and supremacy of Jesus Christ for understanding who God truly is and all that he has done for them, And what it therefore means to live in and live for him. There are three things that Paul particularly tells them, I think. First, as we've seen, that it is by looking at Jesus that we discover who God is. And the more that we look at Jesus, the more we come to realise that the true God is the God of total and utter self-giving love. And as Paul has just encouraged the Colossians to be thankful to God for all that he has done in Jesus Christ for them, the more we turn to God in gratitude ourselves. Second, Jesus holds together the beginning and the end, the old world and the new, creation and the new creation. He's the one through whom and for whom Paul tells us that the whole of creation was brought into being in the first place. The world around us in all its beauty and lavishness is like it is because of Jesus and his sustaining love and care as the Lord who reigns over it all and over each and every one of us. But it's also because it is a fallen world into which death and decay and evil have come, a world in which there is much that is ugly and painful. But it's also true that our living and loving God has acted to heal creation of the corruption and evil that has infected it. And he has done this through exactly the same person through whom the world was made in the first place. The Jesus who brought it into being is the same Jesus through whom the world has now been redeemed. 
He is the firstborn of all creation and through his resurrection, the firstborn from the dead. And third, Jesus is therefore the blueprint for the most complete expression of humanness. What in John chapter 10, verse 10, Christ describes as life to the full, the life which he has come to bring us, that's on offer to each and every one of us through the gospel. As the head of the body, the church, as the first to rise from the dead, as the one through whom, um, through whose unjust death on the cross, God has dealt with all our sins and brought us into peace and reconciliation with him once again. And above all, as the resurrected one through whom the new creation has begun. In all these ways, Jesus is the one in whom and through whom every one of us is called to discover what true humanness means in practice. Not the humanness of all the dreams and illusions that our consumerist society lays out before us for the newest this or the glossiest that or the fastest other. But a life that is lived from a place in which we first declare Jesus as Lord over it all and over ourselves. A life that is lived in the knowledge and love of God and his love for us as revealed to us in the incarnate Jesus, in the fullness of his Godness. And a life like Jesus in which we are called to serve and not to be served. A life like both the reading and the dog with which we started. That is not just for Christmas, but a life that is lived in, through and for Christ every day. Will you, as Paul encouraged the Colossians then and encourages us now, will you fix your eyes on the sun, the image of the invisible God? And live for him. In Jesus' name. Amen.